1: The Indiana Pacers.
0: Reggie from the wing. Boom, Reggie. Boom! 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 to the big fella, fake shoes, and hit! Hey, hit! Hey, hit! Hey, hit! It.
2: hit, it. hit, it. hit it. Three seconds to play.
0: Seven. Here's a three by Ola D.
2: Oh! Victor Oladipo from three-point range. Number nine, 18.7 seconds left. Miller for three, and he got it. Reggie Miller with a clutch tray and a steal. Miller retreats to the three-point
1: line and hits the gap. Welcome to another edition of Setting the Pace. I am one of your hosts, Tyler Smith, and joining me on the show today is the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club, Mike Focci. Focci, how are you feeling today?
2: doing pretty good. Sounds kind of weird to say we're a quarter of the way through the season and while it's unfortunate that we can't play the Jazz every night, I'll take 225 point at and above whoopings
1: in a week. Yeah, that was a good good couple games, uh, especially against Utah. Yeah, 20 games in, a quarter of the way through. Um, We are uh, recording this on Tuesday night before the Pacers play in Phoenix and uh, here in a little bit we're going to give our grades for the team so far, talk about what's next. Um, But first of all, Uh, I thought it'd be a little fun, uh, a fun segment here to talk about the Mount Rushmore of Indiana Pacers. Uh, I posed this question on Twitter today, got a lot of great responses. And so, Fauci, I'm going to ask you, if you were making a Mount Rushmore of Indiana Pacers, your personal favorites, we're not talking about the best players, your four personal favorite players, who would you pick and why? I'm going to assume that Jermaine O'Neal's on there. There
2: is a high probability that Jermaine O'Neal cracked the list. But just to start with an honorable mention, you can't forget your history. While I never got to actually see him play live or you know, wasn't even born at the time, I threw in Mel Daniels as an honorable mention. You can't forget about the ABA Championship days and just how much of a monster he was. I mean, two MVPs, averaged nearly 20 and 16 a game during his time with the Pacers. But kicking it off to my actual mountain Rushmore, you gotta start with Mr. Loyalty himself, the three-point assassin, Reggie Miller. I, I mean, anyone who's a Pacer fan, in, in my mind, I feel like it started with Reggie Miller. And what I found that was just so crazy is the most three-pointers that he ever attempted in a season was five point uh, per game, I meant, was 5.6 a game. That would currently rank outside the top 45. There's guys like Langston Galloway shooting more threes. So just imagine what Reggie Miller would be doing now. So... I mean, when you retire as the 12th all-time leading scorer in the NBA and the all-time three-point shooter, you know, what Reggie did in the past can never be overlooked. What do you think of Reggie Miller on there?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's got to be on the list. And, you know, another thing I find interesting, I remember watching him a lot, he had a lot of long twos. You know, he had that long stride with that right foot. He would, <laughs> he would end up making a lot of shots uh, from long twos. So I want to see if he was just a little bit behind that line, how many threes he actually would end up with.
2: It's crazy because it's just such a shame how Steph is just going to blow out uh, Reggie's three-point mark. I know Ray Allen passed it, but it it just almost seems like what Reggie did in 18 years was just so ahead of anyone before him. But transitioning over to Mm -hmm. uh, my next guy, this was just a fan favorite of mine. I don't know how many people's lists he'll crack, but Danny Granger. I mean, the man shouldered the load during a very dark stretch of Pacer basketball. You know, following the departures of guys like Reggie Miller, Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, Danny Granger was the guy that we looked to in night after night. And, you know, while he, it was almost, you know, maybe just a, a five-year stretch of really being one of the the more dominant scorers, averaging over 20 points per game. Just one all-star game, but never forget how he made me feel during yeah. those times. Yeah. <laughs> Just to touch one last thing on Danny Granger, it still saddens me when we traded him to the tanking 76ers for an Evan Turner. I don't know if I'm over that one yet.
1: Man, what could have been if Danny was healthy for one more season? What could have been for that team?
2: Just such a shame how he was on those teams that just were so poor. And finally, when we get really good, there really wasn't anything left. Yeah. Moving over to my next guy. I mean, whether you love him or you hate him, you, you got to remember how how damn good he was as a pacer. And that's Paul George. Yep. Hey, hey, tell me if I'm wrong. In my mind, personal opinion, I think he's the most talented <coughs> player the Pacers have ever had.
1: Yeah, he's got to be up there. I mean, two way player. Um, I'll admit, he would have been on my list if we did this list just a couple years ago. But. Oh yeah. I can't put him on there anymore but I don't blame I don't blame anybody for still having them on their list because I mean for a long time he was the guy
2: he really was he really had you thinking we can win a championship here in Indiana and it was a guy that you know having drafted him 10th overall and seeing him just not really be able to get on get off the bench with Jim O'Brien was the coach to then Vogel taking over and and then just Paul George just blossoming I mean another guy that I mentioned as a most improved player of the year I mean, oh man, just sure the ending was 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 very rough. But hey, look what he brought us in the end with all the deep and bonus.
1: Yeah, and w- one more note on Paul George for me. If I was, uh, you know, as I was thinking about my list, PG twenty four probably would have made my Mount Rushmore. Something changed with PG thirteen. Something changed with PG thirteen a little bit.
2: <laughs> and I, I completely agree. PG thirteen was he was looking past Indiana. PG twenty four looked like he was just real proud and happy to be there yep and for my last pick if you could insert i want to insert a drum roll after this i <laughs> mm, would have to be jermaine o'neill yeah there's no way i could leave him off this list he is while reggie miller was mr pacer jermaine o'neill was the guy that i was just you know I, just head in head over heels in love with at the time i mean before there was parties and, and chicks, <laughs> there was Jermaine O'Neal, and uh, those six All-Star games for me. I mean, it can't be overlooked that hey, one year he did finish third in MVP voting. Yep. Two thousand three, two thousand four. I was thinking that this is the guy who he's going to get it done. And I mean, obviously, if the the Malice at the Palace doesn't happen, yeah. It's just worth- we projected to win it all Ooh, Ooh, Who knows.
1: No. speaking of what could have been yeah so I think of uh, if Danny was healthy one more year or if the malice in the palace didn't happen that one year we could be looking at having two rings on our fingers right now
2: oh <laughs> man I know and, and to just kind of walk out with just seeing these guys that we loved all being and how it all ended you know you, you trade Granger to the Sixers you you ship Jermaine O'Neal to Canada to go over and play for the Raptors it and then Paul George, that, at least that trade worked out, but in the end, I mean, man, those those were my personal favorites, because yeah. that was what the criteria was for this Mount Rushmore, but Tyler, I'm anxious to hear yours.
1: Yeah, well, we got a couple similar ones there. Uh, of course, Reggie's got to be number one. Um, yes. Out of all the uh, fan responses that we got, I do think there was one or possibly two fans that did not include Reggie, so... I don't know. Check their uh, check their pulse or something. I'm not sure what's up with that, but um, but we got a lot of responses. Reggie, a lot of people said obviously Reggie number one. Um, I would also put Jermaine O'Neal on there. I know that uh, part of this is kind of you know when you grew up and you know when you fell in love with the team and um, that's you know the different responses that we got with different guys from different areas, but. Uh, I, I played a little bit in college and tried to model my game after Jermaine. I mean, I love watching him play. He even had the headband on to try to imitate J.O. I love so, it. Yeah. So he's on the list. Um, for me, and a lot of fans agree, that um, Victor Oladipo has already joined my list, which is crazy. He's only played a little over a season. Um, and I'm, I'm usually not somebody that overreacts to the moment. But for me, you got to think, you know, as an IU fan as well, you know, I already had that connection to Oladipo. Um, what he did last year. And you know, not just the player, um, but the person that he is. He's an easy guy to root for. He he saved the day, you know, from the the Paul George drama. Um, yes, he did. So again, you know, I would have had Paul if it was a few years ago, but I gotta gotta go with uh, Vic already on there. And here's where it gets really tricky for me because I've been uh, I've been a fan for a long time, and you know, the heydays of of the Reggie years as well as today. Um, so I was like, do I pick an older player? Do I Try to decide between guys like Rick Smits, Danny Granger, Mark Jackson, Dale Davis. Uh, for me, uh, David West is even honorable mention. You know, he was he was huge the the blue collar gold swagger days. You know, he did a lot for that team.
2: He was um, so underrated for us. I mean, yeah. when he chose us coming when he was leaving the Hornets, I mean, it was a big deal. Yep, it was. This was we were getting a, a guy who had already made the All Star team before. Sure, he was coming off an ACL tear, but. Man, he really just seemed like he had that locker room, under wraps. Just, he was the guy who you knew he was going to have everybody in tip-top shape, ready to rock. Yep. And I think that he changed the culture for a while.
1: Absolutely. So while he's honorable mention, I decided I, I weighed all the options. I really thought about it. And like you, I also put Danny Granger on my list. I miss Michael Grady, by the way. Shout out, Michael Grady. Oh yeah. Um, so, yeah, Granger. Uh, is on my list. I remember when he had just received an extension and it was a blowout and he's diving on the floor, knocked his front two teeth out. I was like, yes. It's the Celtics. I yes. remember that. Indiana basketball right there. Um, I remember him having one of the best seasons ever by a Pacer. The year I think mm-hmm. he averaged like what, 26 or something. I don't know. It was ridiculous. His offensive numbers. Um, him not backing down the Miami Heat all those years. Uh, remember when he didn't back down to Kevin Love and they had a little Twitter war going on. That was fun as well. <laughs>
2: I loved how he would always stand up to LeBron. I mean, that was someone that he was not afraid to go face to face with in in those conference finals, even though it wasn't the same, you know, the the same uh, Danny Green from years past. When we met him back to back from the semifinals to the conference finals before he left, he, he was not afraid of LeBron.
1: Yep. So that's my four, and uh, now I want to share the fan responses, and this was pretty interesting. We had a lot of guys um, from past and, present, uh, past and present Pacers that uh, were pretty close in the voting, and uh, some fans may be a little surprised by this, but coming in at number six was Paul George. So he still is getting a lot of love, um, which, you know, it's, it's good to see. There's still a lot of people that recognize, you know, what he did here. So he was at six. Uh, George McGinnis actually came in at number five, Um, A a lot of guys were right below those two. You had, let's see, I'm looking at my list here. You had uh, Brown and Daniels right behind. You have, uh, actually, Lance (laughs) Lance Stevenson got a lot of votes.
2: Definite fan favorite.
1: So, yeah, he's actually, I think, cracked the top ten. You got uh, Dale Davis around 11. Um, Let's see. Slick got some votes in there. Jeff Foster ended up with, like, six votes, but one guy said that he should get all four, (laughs) and there's no other votes, so... (laughs) Um, you know, probably the biggest shocker to me from fans, there were more people that voted for Steven Jackson than Mark Jackson. Really? I was like, what really? is going on with that vote? That was the that was the most surprising one to me. Um, but the top four for the fans, and I, I promise I did not rig this in any way, but it's the exact same four that I chose. So it had had uh, Granger coming in at number four, Victor Oladipo with the third most votes, Jermaine O'Neal with the second most votes, which I was happy to see because some fans yes. some fans didn't realize what he did for us You know, after the, the brawl and stuff. But, yeah, so that's good. He had the second most votes. And then far and away, Reggie Reggie had twice the amount of votes as second place O'Neal had, which you can understand. As he should. Yep.
2: As he should. Hey, I, I got to say, it uh, sounds like the Pacer fans have some great taste. I, I couldn't agree more with all of those. Um, and, obviously, you, you couldn't agree more either. Yeah. You got the same list.
1: Yeah, and uh, let's see. I I couldn't tell some of them if they were jokes or not. Now, if they had, like, all four that were jokes, you could tell it was a joke. Um, But sometimes they would throw in one in there that's like, oh, really? Like, Jamal Tinsley had a vote. I think I saw
2: Sarunas Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Lou Amundsen had one.
2: Oh, my
1: God. Uh, Psycho T had one. Wow. Let's see. Chuck Person had three. Ron Artest even had six. Um, so yeah, that was uh, interesting. Jalen Rose only had a couple. Thought he'd have a few more. Team that went yeah. to the finals, but yeah, good stuff. A lot of fun to a lot of fun to see fan reaction. We thank you all for uh, for responding to that. We'll have more uh, questions like that on the show in the near future. So thanks for playing along. Um, so yeah, twenty games in. Pacers sit at twelve and eight. Uh, the cool thing is they are six and four at home and six and four on the road. Um, good news they've battled a lot of key injuries. Uh, the not-so-good news is I looked this up, and I saw that uh, I believe the Pacers are uh, 28th in the NBA in strength of schedule. So, now that's hard because, obviously, when you're, you know, when you're winning more games than you're losing, that affects uh, your opponent's winning percentage as well. Um, but, you know, I think the injuries kind of balances that out, and 12-8 uh, is a pretty good start. But, Fachi, we'll talk about what we need to improve on in a minute. But, first of all, let's talk about some positives. What have you liked uh, from this team so far uh, through 20 games,
2: I liked how in uh, in a time where it really looks like no one's playing defense, we're uh, second in the league in an opponents points per game. I, I really like. I think that's real positive to see. Only the Memphis Grizzlies, who that's kind of always been uh, their thing, they're leading the NBA. Uh, averaging, they're giving up just over 100 points per game. Grizzlies are. We're about 102 points per game. So I definitely like that. The blossoming of Sabonis has been very positive. Uh, I really feel like it's someone who continues to get better. As of about two days ago, he was leading the NBA in field goal percentage. So, love to see that. Uh, love to see the last few games of Aaron Holiday, but we'll touch on that a little bit later. And just things like, uh, in a time where you, while we're not necessarily shooting the, the three-point ball more, we're still shooting it at a very high clip in terms of accuracy. Yeah. So, Loved seeing that. I think that while fans are always ready to overreact, twelve and eight, you know, if you if you average that out in terms of what we finish at after eighty-two games, we're looking at fifty wins. Yep. So it shows that uh, last year was not a fluke. And for now, I think we're in just a fine position, especially being two and two without Oladipo.
1: Yeah, and for me, definitely more equipped to handle the injuries. A lot of depth. Love what I'm seeing from Aaron Holiday. I agree, Sabonis just gets more beastly by the day. Um, he's a stud. And, you know, this team, they just refuse to lose three straight games. They haven't lost three straight since the beginning of uh, January of last season. So they have their clunkers once in a while, like every team does, but man, they, they regroup quickly. And so I, I think part of that is uh, the leadership, um, the coaching, and you can say, you know, there's there's plenty of negatives you could say with the coaching staff, but one of the positives is they, they get them back on the right track quickly. And if you're going to be a a team that wants a high seed then that's got to happen and so far it has so um that's be, being able to rebound is huge in that way um, what do you think this team needs to work on or improve on moving forward
2: uh just a couple things that just jump off the bat i mean i've i've preached it since the very beginning the free throw percentage is just disgusting at times i mean this team is bottom three in the league in three-point attempts and free throw attempts we bottom five and rebounding I mean, come on, guys. I, we got to find a way to, to. If we can rebound more, I think we can get to the line more. And I, as a result, if you continue to work on free throws, we'll score more points. I mean, right now that the Pacers are, we're in a, a solid. As I mentioned before, they're uh, you know they're shooting the three ball at a real high percentage. Also, top five in field goal percentage. So mm-hmm. if we can find a way to get a couple more opportunities, whether it's on the offensive side of things, offensive rebounding, I think it's going to pay off. And also. Another thing that I'm not really hearing anything talked about too much is Pacers are top. Uh, they're top five in steals. I believe they're actually top three. So I know that's always been uh, Oladipo's thing, uh, leading the NBA in, in steals last year. But the team is is still playing defense in a time where really no one else is. Yep. And what I should, what I meant to give a shout out before, we got to give a shout out to Bogdanovich. The man is balling right now. Boyan. <laughs> exactly. I loved hearing that from Oladipo. I mean, he's shooting the ball at just such a great percentage. I, I believe it's, uh, it's close to 55%. Maybe it's, maybe it's 54% overall, but about 52% from three? Yep. I mean, that's that's everything you want to see. It kind of makes you question, if now would they look to bring him back next year if it could be a team-friendly
1: deal? Yeah, now it's kind of like, oh, you know, last year it was like, oh, I don't know if we should get him a two-year deal. And now it's like, oh, I kind of wish it was a three-year deal. I wish we had him uh, kind of locked up there. but. It, That'll, exactly. that'll be interesting to see. Uh, for me, you mentioned the three point shooting. You know, we're twenty eighth in a three point attempts, so I still want to mm-hmm. see that number grow quite a bit. You know, what's interesting is Miles Turner is like the opposite of the Pacers offense, where you know he's shooting a he's shooting a high. Well, not not really opposite as far as two pointers, but um, the fact that his three point percentage is low um, and the Pacers is high. But you know, just imagine if Miles Turner starts to get going from three, like I believe he can. Um, and-
2: and Darren Collison, he's yeah. a guy who is three-point percentage, is way down from last year. Yep.
1: And for me also, I, I mainly I'm looking at three different guys, and I don't know, they deserve some of the blame and then some of the blame on the coaches, but I just want to see them use more to their strengths. And I'm mainly looking at Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, Tyreek Evans. Um, I think mm-hmm. I still think Ty, uh, Turner needs a higher usage rate. Um, tweeted this yesterday, but the last eight games that, the, that Turner has taken ten or more shots, the Pacers are seven and one. So with him getting involved, um, I also mentioned last week that Doug McDermott, when he plays, you know, 13 or more minutes, they have like a, I think they're like 11 and three in those games. And and that means he's getting more involved. So using him more like in the Utah game, 21 points, um, Tyreek Evans, when he's involved, you know, like the Pacers win. It's that simple when those guys are involved and play well. So uh, McMillan needs to find ways to get, all three guys consistent or at least two, you know, two of the three per night would be huge for the Pacers. But what do you think in terms of if you were to give the team an overall grade after the twenty first 20 games, what would you give?
2: I'd give them a B plus. Uh, I think that, you know, coming into the year, I believe on our first podcast, I projected this team could win 52 games. That's kind of what I saw that they're not to say they're ceiling, but I thought that that would be in a plus season we're right around 50 games we're on pace for that so mm-hmm. i think all is well as you mentioned there are a couple little we don't need to make a trade right now there's a couple guys that we just need to get more out of that are on the roster mm-hmm. yeah you know, as you mentioned random i know mm-hmm. in terms of if doug mcdermott's logged 18 minutes Pacers are seven and two so mm-hmm. there's certain things like with oladipo out he's he shot 17 of 28 over the last four games i mean he was a phenomenal against the jazz Uh, So I I think that that's someone who I I believe that he's going to get better. I want Tyreek Evans to get better. I'm starting to get a little bit worried. Uh, He's kind of having, honestly, I know he's only playing 20 minutes. His minutes are definitely down. He's having pretty much the worst season he's had in his career right now in terms of from a sheer number standpoint. Mm -hmm. His field goal percentage, just everything is down. Sure, that obviously comes with less minutes. I'd give him a B-plus because... I don't want to be the guy who's harping on the free throws too much, but I knew it would cost us if we don't fix it soon. It's going to be a team that we're, we're giving up games. Yep. We gave up a game to the Rockets earlier this year. Mm-hmm. We missed ten free throws, lost by four. So, fix, tweak a couple little things, and we're going to be right on pace for the fifty-two wins that I thought we're capable of.
1: Yeah, just imagine what, imagine you, what that what does. What would you give the Pacers? Uh, I'm right there with you, the B plus. Um, but I was just thinking, imagine if if you make those free throws and win that one game, you know. If how different is 13 and seven to 12 and eight? Or you do it twice, 14 and six. I mean, it's huge, but I think the Pacers were like 10th or 11th last year in free throws. So, you know, they got guys that can make them. They just, they just got to start doing it. But um, I agree with the, uh, the B plus rating. I think there's more in the tank for this team. Um, You hope with a guy like Evans that eventually it clicks. And when it does, he can just kind of take off from there because he's trying to get paid too. He's going to be a free agent. So he needs to, needs to pick up his game. Um, some people like the. Um, there's a couple different ways you can evaluate a team, and, and one of them that's kind of interesting and fun is if you uh, subtract home losses from road wins. And like I said, Pacers are six and four, both home and away. So with the four home losses and the six road wins, they would be a plus two in that regard. Um, Toronto is a plus six, Philly is a plus three, and Pacers and the Bucks are both plus two. So even though the Bucks have a better record, They've played 12 games at home. They're 10-2 and two at home. Um, so by that standard, the Pacers are right there with Milwaukee. So um, just kind of a fun thing to, to think of. But where do you – I know this is kind of hard to do, but where do you see them uh, finishing? You know, we got three-quarters of the season left, but what kind of seed are you, are you thinking right now with how the East looks?
2: I think right now, um, the Pacers sitting at the, the fourth seed right now. I, Detroit was in it yesterday. I, I don't believe in Detroit being uh, above us on the year. I'm, ever since the Sixers got Jimmy Butler, it, it seems like they could really be poised for a run. So if we can get that fourth seed, have home court, I, I would consider that a success. You're almost waiting for the Celtics to kind of pick it up. Yeah. Um, and the Bucs got off to a scorching start. Um, but I truly believe that the Pacers could finish at that four seed. Uh, Like I said, expect Boston to make a run, but hey, why can't we get the fourth?
1: Yeah, I'm right there. I think four or five seed, I I just, I have this feeling, and I know a lot of people have it as well, that um, even with Jimmy Butler in Philly, it just feels like this Pacers team is going to win a playoff series this year. I just, I don't know. I think they're going to come together and – keep in mind whoever they would play that would still be a that'd be a huge win whether it's Philadelphia Milwaukee or whoever it is Um, could be wrong but I I could see them in that four or five spot and then winning a series and taking the the next series pretty deep but um, keep an eye on the injuries you know if Milwaukee loses somebody for any amount of time or Philadelphia I still think Joel Embiid's health is massive you know if he he goes down at all um, and he can beat them and and then who knows, Boston's going to figure it out at some point, and they're going to be a team that you don't want to play in the playoffs. But if they don't figure it out, you know, by the All-Star break, then that's a team that there's a possibility that they would uh, stay behind the Pacers standings. More than likely, they're going to be better, um, but we'll see what happens. But um, got a few minutes left here. What else is on your mind uh, with this team? Uh, how do you see them doing uh, on this the rest of this trip or any hot takes that you want to share?
0: Ah
2: well, over the I was looking at it over the next seven games, the Lakers are the only team we play above 500. Now the Kings are at ten and ten right now. We're going to play them twice, so there is opportunity over here to kind of go a little bit on a run. I think that it's very important that we do not rush Oladipo back. Yeah, I, I, I know it's just a small sample size, being two and two without him. Let's let him sit, maybe even the rest of the road trip. Uh, I I just think that. I'm not worried about the Suns. I think that we can take them out. The Lakers, sure, it'll be a tough game. They're starting to really get it going. But I'm not worried about the Kings. I don't believe in them yet. The Bulls, come on. Uh, Orlando and so on down the list. That there's a lot of teams that there's opportunity right now for us to go on a run. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just think that at this moment, you know, I don't have necessarily a hot take other than, uh, you know, we're going to get this going. And, and. how awesome has it been the last few games to just see Aaron Holiday just getting it going? It makes you really think to yourself that uh, hey, we got something here. Yeah. And if say if they were going to make a move and they just kind of wanted to do a little bit of a dump, it does kind of seem like Collison could be uh, more reasonable to part with now with uh, Holiday stepping up. Yep,
1: yeah, and it's it's a good problem to have. It's good to have those options. You know, I'm all about Aaron Holiday Mania. He's uh, averaging 13 points on 51% shooting over the last four, and the thing I love about the kid is the kid is not afraid, and he's that's not. that's such a key, you know, to have that bulldog mentality. You know, he's still going to have his rookie moments, but it's a it's a luxury for the Pacers to have a good support system for him. There's, you know, good veteran leadership at point guard, and obviously a good locker room, and um, it's going to be a fun story to follow, you know, and if, if he's got any chance of being a long-term starter or even the main backup, maybe as soon as, you know, this season or next, this is going to be a pretty cool thing to watch. And when Oladipo does get back, Pacers got to find a way to get him back in that rotation and somehow, some way. Got to figure it out.
2: You, you really have to. I mean, five straight games and double figures, he had nine points in that fourth quarter game against the Hawks that I truly believe without him getting it going, I don't think we mm-hmm. win that game. Yeah. And – Obviously, I mean, right now he's – seems like he's like the Utah killer, you know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> He shot 13 of 18 mm-hmm. in the two games, and it was just awesome to see. Uh, and when you talked about the support system, I mean, how amazing was it to see the Pacers bench getting so pumped up when he was playing great? I mean, when you hear things about what's going on in Washington – Seeing that, you know, with the team coming apart at the seams and you know, they, it seems like they don't want to play together. This Pacers team, they love playing with each other.
1: Yeah, and, and fans should not take that for granted either. I mean, this is, uh, I, I can remember just a couple short years ago how different that locker room was uh, to what it is now, and, and obviously the sideline as well. So good things, good things coming. Even if the Pacers go two and two on this trip, winning the first one, you know, you'd, you'd love to get a little greedy and go three and one. Even if they go two and two, that would put them at thirteen and ten with a whole bunch of uh, winnable home games after that, and then hopefully Oladipo back in the near future. So, um, no matter what happens on this trip, I think good things are ahead. So, Me too. Uh, yeah, that's all the time we got for this week's show. Uh, follow us on Twitter, setting the Phase three. You can check us out on iTunes. Subscribe to our weekly podcast. Always a pleasure, Fachi, See you next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.